Luke chapter 2 this morning as we stand in reverence to the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, page 1073 in a Schofield Bible. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege to be in your house. But we thank you for the privilege we have to worship and to honor your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning on his, uh, Lord, the, uh, his birthday. And God, we just uh, we pray that you'd meet with us, dear God, you'd move in the service this morning. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know Christ as their oh, yes. Savior, Lord, we pray that this would be the time that uh, Lord, they'd come to realize your love for them, and uh, Lord, uh, that they would uh, ask forgiveness of their sins and trust Christ as their Savior here today. And God, we just ask you to bless the service now. I ask you to be with our pastor and the fresh. Lord, uh, use him this morning. Preach him, dear God, with your power, with your conviction. And Lord, uh, just have your will and way in every heart and every life. And we'll give you the glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You'll be seated. Christmas poses a tremendous challenge to us here today. And one of the reasons it does is that we're so familiar with it. We've heard all the Christmas sermons. We've heard the Christmas songs. We've heard the Christmas carols. We, most of us, know all about Mary and Joseph, about the journey to Bethlehem, Caesar's decree. We, we, most of us know about the end. No room for Jesus. We know about the angels and the shepherds and, of course, these mysterious wise men from the east. And all of these we know so very well that when we hear them, we don't hear them. Someone has said familiarity can breed, if not contempt, at least a kind of casual disinterest. And perhaps it is one of the saddest things that happens with the story of Christmas. And yet, the story is filled with surprises. God invaded human history in the form of a tiny, helpless baby. So one of the best ways, I believe, that we can fight the tendency to sleep through another Christmas sermon is to focus on the details. By looking closely this morning, we may see the small things that gives a new light on the big thing. So with the help of God, I want to preach on the first Christmas sermon preached. 
course, we know that the sermon came from angels. For the angel said to them, which is nothing more than messenger. The word angel means messenger. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which should be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Could you imagine the frightened shepherds that day as they heard this first message? The Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And then the angels tell them where they can find Him. I mean, they've just declared the best news anyone could ever hear. And that is, praise God, a Savior has come to save. Now understand this this morning. Apart from Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no hope. You have no help. You say, but, but, but you don't understand. I got a good-sized bank account. Rich men in had one of those too. Wouldn't buy him a drop of water. So the reality is, no matter what, without Jesus Christ, we have nothing. But with Him, we have everything. We have everything. Well, that's the reason I'm excited about the Christmas program tonight. The title of it's the richest family in town. They were. We find as angels declared this great news, then they said, listen, we're going to tell you where you can find Him. Because they said, we're going to give you a sign. And this should be a sign unto you. Now, when angels speak of signs, uh, they're referring to a supernatural act of God. Dr. James Merritt said this, and man, what a great statement about the word sign. In the Bible, the word sign refers to an, an indication, a distinguishing mark. It consists of a dramatic, miraculous, sovereign intervention into the normal affairs in human life. It is a tangible occurrence to make us realize that God is at work and performing the sign. Like parting the the Red Sea or walking on the water or in an ultimate sense, rising from the dead. So when the angel said, I'm going to give you a sign, all right, I'm ready, I'm looking. I'm looking for the moon to turn to blood or something. I'm looking for the stars to spout out His name across the universe. I'm looking for something spectacular. And the sign was a baby. Whoa. Wasn't looking for that. Wasn't expecting that to be the sign. And neither were they. Luke 2, verse 12, it tells us a message from God. Every part of that. I hope you're in the same agreement that I am. God didn't just use words for the sake of using them. God didn't have words that, well, I don't know where I'm going to put it. We'll just stick it right. God didn't do that. 
Every word, every, every I will be dotted, every T will be crossed, every word is exactly the way God wanted it said. So there is a fact, in every word there is a message. And now we know something. We know that Jesus wasn't the only baby born that day. Herod, uh, a little later on, has all the little boys two years and older put to death. And uh, so he goes back. So no doubt there were some other babies born that night. So what's so special about this one? It's special because it's a message from God. And we learn about how God works. Several years ago, uh, Larry King was asked if he could meet any, if he could interview anyone in the world, who would he interview? And here was his answer. He said, I would like to interview Jesus Christ. And when asked what he would like to ask Jesus, Larry King replied, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. Because the answer to that question would define human history. Well, like King, he was, amen. And it has defined human history. Because ever since that night in Bethlehem, some 2,000 years ago, when the angels sang and stars bowed, I want you to know the shepherds came and worshipped and wise men brought gifts. World has never been the same. And it all began with a virgin birth. Paul instructing his young teacher, his young preacher boy said this, Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God who is manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up the glory. But somehow, the world missed the sign. Jews were looking for a Messiah. Herod's scribes even knew Micah 5.2 that prophesied he would be born in Bethlehem. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't see him. And I'm convinced they couldn't see the divine in the ordinary, because they were looking for the spectacular. They wanted to show. They were looking for a strong Messiah who would deliver them from Roman domination. But they missed him altogether. I wonder how many will you miss Jesus another Christmas? I want at your house where your children miss what it's all about. We'll miss as adults one more time the opportunity to be reminded. I, I won't ask this, and I won't, please don't raise your hand. But if I were to ask what you've given your energy to in the last couple of weeks, I'm talking about shopping. If you want you to get your energy to in the last couple of weeks, would it testify to the fact I know the reason for the season? So the reality is they missed him.
And I believe we miss him too. So this morning, mate, in just a very simple way, and there was a message there, and it's so simple, we just totally miss it. So this first Christmas sermon, first of all, I see we would know something about his humanity. And you shall find the babe. A baby, an infant, a newborn child. Matthew knows exactly what that's like. And Sarah, the Jews wanted the signs. As a matter of fact, later on in the, in the, earlier the God, later on in the Gospels, the Lord mentioned that the Jews were always wanting the sign. We've got we to gotta see something. And the reality was, God did give a sign. But they missed it because it wasn't expecting a baby in a manger. The prophet Isaiah told them some 700 years earlier, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. The theological term for what took place that day was this. It's called incarnation. The word incarnation comes from two Latin words. It means this. It means in, which means with or in. And the word carn means flesh. Literally, it means this, in the flesh. The baby that was laid in that manger was none other than God Himself. Jesus wasn't a good, just a good man. Jesus wasn't just a godly man. Jesus was the God-man. That cradle 2,000 years ago held the Creator. He was God in the flesh. It's, it's the most miraculous thing that ever happened. It was the earthly child of a heavenly father and a heavenly child of an earthly mother. He's not half and half. He was all God and all man. He was not man with a God-like character, nor was he God with a man-like qualities. He was the God-man. John Phillips said this, The great mystery of the major is that God should be able to translate deity into humanity without even disregarding the deity or distorting the humanity. He is fully God. He's forever God. A.W.A. Criswell, on the great doctrines of the Bible, gives us this poem of how good it is. O blessed Lord, combined in one, two natures both complete, a perfect manhood, all sublime, in Godhead all replete. As man he entered Canaan's feast, a humble guest to dine. As God he moved the waters there, and changed it into wine. As man he climbed the mountain's height and supplanted to be. As God he left the place of prayer and walked on the sea. As man he wept in heartfelt grief beside a loved one's grave. As God he burst the bands of death, almighty still to save. Amen. As man he laid within a boat overpowered by need of sleep. As God, he rose, rebuked the winds, and stilled the angry deep. Such was our Lord in life on earth, in dual nature one, the woman's seed in very truth in God's eternal Son. O child, O son, 
O Word made flesh, may the high place increase. Called wonderful, the mighty God, eternal Prince of Peace. My, how good that is. You'll notice Isaiah said he should be called Emmanuel. That name is only found one time in the Old Testament and only twice in the New Testament. It was the least used name for Jesus in all the Bible. And yet it's the first name that God the Father gave His Son. It means God with us. That's the reason Paul said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Everything else flows from that truth. You say, I, I just can't believe that. Now, I'll be honest with you, you'll die and go to hell with that unbelief. Because no one else could have died for our sins. If he had not been born, he could not have died. Had he not risen from the dead, then we would never have lived. He had to become like us in order to save us in our humanity. Boy, there's been battles after battles fought over this basic truth. Did God really, did God really become man? And the debate comes in over his deity. Few people deny, they, almost no one denies that Christ was a man. But many deny he was God. They believe he was a teacher, a leader, and even a man sent from God. But they don't believe he was God. The Jews don't believe this. Even though many hold Jesus in high esteem. The Muslims don't believe this. They say he was a great prophet sent by Allah, but they vigorously deny he was the Son of God. The Hindus do not believe this. Jesus might be a God, one among millions of gods. But they do not believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God who is God manifest in human flesh. Do you believe that? First, we see something about his humanity. And he, sh he shall find the babe. Second, this verse teaches us something about his helplessness. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. I was down at the hospital the other day and, and uh, looking at Aslan and they had it all wound up real good and tight and in that blanket. And um, I was thinking about this. And I thought, man, that's, that's the way Jesus perhaps would have been wrapped up. But the reality was, that's not the way they wrapped them. They wrapped newborn babies in that day because most babies didn't make it through the first year. So what they would do, they would take strips of cloth and the same strips of cloth that they used to wrap the body for burial, they would take newborn babies. They would wrap their legs individually, their arms individually, their torso. They would literally be wrapped like a mummy, if you will, and bound. And the reason they did that was, they didn't have medical care. They wasn't uh, an urgent care place 
on the, on the road there. And so babies routinely died in the first year. This was a way to provide protection. But what do we learn about this binding from Jesus? Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who hath believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he should go up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, have no form nor comeliness. We should just see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before he shears his dumb. So he opened not his mouth. One day Jesus would stand before Pilate and uh, Pilate would say, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus said, That's what you're saying. Won't you defend yourself? And he was silent. Don't you know, as Pilate, I can gain your future? I can, I, I can put you to death? And all of a sudden, he looks and says, If God doesn't give you your place, you've got no authority. That day as she wrapped that little old baby, it was a type of one day that Jesus would stand accused and make no reply. He was reviled and refused to answer. His accusers with his hands tied awaiting the verdict would end his life and yet. So it's no, it's no coincidences that he entered into the world bound and helpless. No one can say he came only for the rich. Now, I just feel like having me about a, about a ten minute shouting fit right there. Because the day he found me, I was broke as a convict. I don't know where he found you, but if I'd had to bought my way in, I'd went to hell as sure as the world. I'm glad he didn't come for the rich. No one can say he used his heavenly power to make an easy entrance into the world. He came not for the faith of a few, but the Savior of all. He was bound that we might be set free. First, we know something about his humanity. You should find the babe. Second, we know something about his helplessness wrapped in swaddling clothes. Third, this verse teaches us we know something about his humility lying in a manger. Now the problem we have with the manger is this. is the concept we get from church. A nicely made cradle in a very warm building and Mary and Joseph are dressed and sitting. Everything is wonderful. All the animals are peaceful. It is quiet. It's, it's beautiful. The only problem was that wasn't the way it was. It was totally the opposite. The word manger literally means a feeding trough. First century, the stables that they had was often 
not more than a holdout cave in the side of the hill. But even in a feeding trough, he was bearing the only cross a baby can bear, and that was extreme poverty and the contempt and indifference of mankind. The baby lying in an exposed stable, resting in a feeding trough, was God's sign to us all. And God has come to the world in the most unlikely way. Philippians 2, 7 tells us, He made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Nothing about this baby was supernatural. There, there, uh, if there had been, there would have concluded, if you had not been there, if you had not walked by that place, we would have come to the same conclusion that many others did. Just a poor young couple down on their luck. Boy, having it bad. But in this great events of life, nothing God does make sense. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depth of the riches of, of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You're not going to figure out God. I don't care how smart you are, you're not going to figure out God. You're not going to have an answer for all the questions there is in this world. I, I'll be honest, when I get there, I'm going to ask Him why He came that way. I, I sometimes find myself puzzled that God would choose to come that way, but He did. And we find He showed His humility. We had only one verse to read. Luke 2, verse 12. What kind of conclusion could you and I come up with? Number one, we see the depths to which Christ stooped to join mankind. When I wrote that thought down, I, let me just share with you what I thought. I don't know if this is correct, but it probably is. And when I get to heaven, you'll probably find out I'm right, but I could be possibly wrong. But I thought, why did he do that? And then I believe this. I believe he come to the lowest person this world could ever produce. The lowest. Many of us sitting here, we whine and complain about how bad we got it. Most time we're, we're complaining because we didn't get what we wanted for lunch, not that there wasn't lunch. Amen? That's right. Most of us complain about we didn't get what we wanted, not the fact that our, our cupboards are full and Freezer's full and we're not really one for anything. So God didn't come to this somewhat middle class, if there still is a middle class. He didn't come for the wealthy. He made this statement. He said, be easy for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle. That would be the inner in heaven. He's talking about 
Many believed that that needle was a gate in the wall and, and that a camel would have to get down and crawl and humble themselves and, and camels don't crawl and they don't humble themselves. And so we find that, so what he does, he said, but I, I've got to get everybody. I've got to get everybody. I've got to get every person and give them opportunity and let them know I'm going to be their Savior. Every person. So he goes to the very bottom to the depth. No one that night was poorer than those in that stable. I believe one of the reasons there was no room in the inn is I don't believe they had any money to pay for it. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Don't believe in saying, well, he's got the Bible. I, I didn't say the Bible said it. I said, that's what I believe. I believe they had enough money they could have bought the innkeeper's room. But didn't have nothing. But Jesus didn't come for that. He come for the lowest person. So we see the depth, the depth to which Christ stooped to join mankind. Number two. We see the disinterest of the world had no room for him. The disinterest. The disinterest. They didn't care. They were busy. They were busy. They didn't care. Disinterested. Is that not where we're at today? Number two. Decided cross while sleeping in a manger. He knew that he came to die. He was born to die. For Jesus Christ come to seek and to save that which is lost. Number four. Delivered the simplicity of the gospel. That night, if you'd walk by, there was nothing supernatural. Mangers were not beautiful, clean places were uh, like we have in our Christmas pageant. Oh no, it was a lonely, dirty, smelly place made for animals. If you're looking for Jesus, don't start in the nursery. Go to the stable. The ground is covered with dirt and the air smells of manure. When you hear a baby cry, you'll know you found the Lord. He's not in the nursery with the children. He's out in the stable with the lambs. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. No wonder the world missed him. Then we miss him today. Because it takes eyes of faith to see the majesty of Christ. Many are religious, but they don't know Christ. Faith's a gift from God. And without faith, it's impossible to see God, to know God, or to understand the things of God. A lot of discussion today about the need of religious dialogue. Instead of preaching Christ and 
calling sinners to repentance. Let's all get together and talk about ethics and religious differences and morality and sad state of the family and the need for better education, the hope for the future, and anything else. But don't dare mention Jesus. Leave him out of it. So we come to the end of the story. God's surprising sign is a babe wrapped in a manger. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger in a cave behind a village inn. A rebuke to those who love the outward glory and who despise the small things. Martin Luther said, To whom the worlds cannot enwrap yonder lies in Mary's lap. Let me read that again. To whom the worlds cannot enwrap yonder lies in Mary's lap. There was God's appointed sign from heaven. And the first message ever preached. The world needs education. God would send us a teacher. The world needs an army. God would send us a general. The world needs more money. God would send us a banker. The world needs a savior. So God sent a lamb. My prayer this morning would be this. Master, would you take thee, myself, and may you be mine forever. And Lord, may all in this house be led to do the same. May all that is thine, great Son of God, in the day of thine appearing, for thy love's sake. This morning, we're missing him. We're missing him. Totally missing him. My prayer is that God has jarred something in your heart. Are you so busy that you forgot him? I'll read you one story and I'm done. Ruth went to her mailbox on Christmas Eve. There was only one letter. She picked it up and looked at it before she opened it. She noticed no return address, no stamp, no postmark. The letter read, Dear Ruth, I'm coming to be in your neighborhood this Christmas. I'd like to stop by for a visit. Above always, Jesus. Man, Ruth's hands began to shake. And what would the Lord want to visit me for? I'm nobody special. I don't have anything to offer. And oh my goodness, I don't even have anything to feed him. So I guess I better run to the grocery store. It's Christmas Eve and maybe I can find something. And she had $5.40. So she brought some bread and cold cuts and and uh, she threw on her coat and hurried out the door. As she got to the store, she quickly bought what she wanted. She had 12 cents left. But she did have something to give to Jesus. Hey, lady, can you help us? She looked and she noticed there was a man and a woman huddled in the alleyway. 
The man and woman both dressed in their little more than rags. Look, lady, I, 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 I ain't got a job, and, and uh, my wife and I have been living here on the street, and, well, you know, it's getting cold, and we're hungry, and, well, it's Christmas Eve. If you could help us, lady, we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Ruth looked, and she thought as we would, well, they're, they're dirty, smell bad, but frankly, they, they could get a job if they'd work at it, try Sir, I'd really like to help, but I'm a poor woman and I've got an important guest coming. And I've got to feed him. Well, okay, lady, we understand. But as they walked away, Ruth felt that familiar twinge in her heart. Sir, wait. Look, why don't you take this food? I'll figure out something else to serve my guest. She noticed as she handed the food to the lady that the lady that was with to the man, the lady was shaken from the cold. And she said, Ma'am, here, I've got another coat at home, so you just take mine. So they thanked her graciously, and over and over they thanked her and said, We're so thankful that, that, that you helped us. And Merry Christmas. So Ruth made her way home, and she was cold by the time she got there, but she noticed. Another envelope in the mailbox. Postal service don't deliver mail on Christmas Eve. But she took the envelope and opened it. Dear Ruth, it was so good to see you again. Thank you for the lovely Christmas dinner. And thank you so much for the beautiful coat. Love always, Jesus. You're not careful. Another Christmas will come and go and you'll miss him. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, never